family day is an awesome day. And this, the reason we do this at Bethesda, have a family day where that everybody stays in the same room is because uh, we've read some things and done some studies that say that uh, children that grow up in church that never attend a church service are less likely to stay in church. So kids that come to a church and always go to children's church or they go to the nursery to begin with and then they go to children's church then they go into youth group, and then whenever it comes time for real church, big church, not real church, all of it's real church, but big church, adult church, they feel out of place. There's no game. There's no snack. There's no fun. And, and they just uh, venture out, and they don't come back. So as Bethesda, we want to do the best job we can in equipping the families of Bethesda to rear your children, amen, to become lifelong church-going Christian people because the Christian life is the best life. And we don't want them just to experience that during their childhood and their youth years, but age, year-long, for the remainder of their life. So in this intermission, I want us to see that uh, there is free time that we need. Intermission is defined, we read this every week in a, in a sermon series, is defined as a pause or a break, an interval between parts of the play, movie, or concert fast-paced culture in which we live, we feel we need a break or a pause from the norm. This four-part teaching, teaching series is designed to give you information from Scripture of how to live life to the fullest. We would all love to have more free time, wouldn't we? Free to do the things we love without feeling rushed to make the next appointment. Basically, what I'm asking you is wouldn't you love, for, love to feel like life has purpose? Jesus used life with intentionality to give us a pattern for success. He lived 33 and a half years and was even able to change the calendar. What have you changed lately? Today we're going to tackle a subject that is a subject that is becoming more and more prevalent and more and more uh, talked about in our society. It's a topic called multitasking. Look at your neighbor and say, what good are you at multitasking? Are you good at multitasking? Are you a professional? Leslie, are you a multitasker? Yeah, okay. So I just wondered. You had a look on your face like I don't know what multitasking is. I thought I thought I was gonna have to explain it to you or something. So you was multitasking while I was talking. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So intermission, freedom. Uh, of everything I'm reading and studying this past week is to say that multitasking is inefficient. Multitasking is inefficient. Studies show that the inefficiency of multitasking is making you feel busy, but it doesn't mean that you're being productive. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to be more productive. Amen. We all need to be more productive in the life that God has given us because we've only got so many days to live and we should enjoy every moment of that. So this is one of some of the statistics that uh, I've read this past week. It said 31% of kids say that multi they multitask while doing homework. 31% of kids say that. 8 to 18-year-olds are exposed to 7 hours and 38 minutes a day of media. Seven hours and 38 cents from age 8 to 18. With multitasking, that turns to a total of 10 hours and 45 minutes per day. 
15 to 18 year olds spend one hour and 51 minutes per day texting on average one hour and 51 minutes a day texting nothing wrong with texting it's efficient it's quick it's uh, it saves you a lot of headache especially in the work world business world where I work I can call somebody and hey how's the kids how's the wife you done this how's the car how's the truck How's the boat done? He's been fishing lately. Got to go through all the mumbo-jumbo, and then I can ask him a question of what the reason I was to call him, right? So if I text him, I can just say, hey, I need this, and it's over that quick. Then they'll text back, and I'll get the answer. So that's really all I'm after. But some of that takes the personable items out of it. So if I live my whole life doing nothing but living life in relationship with other people in a texting environment, the personal aspect of it is gone. And we're born for relationships. Amen? God created Adam out of the dust of the ground, and he, he breathed the breath of life into him, and, he, and Adam's laying there, and Adam goes around, and he looks at all these other animals, and there's all more than one of them, and they are repopulating the earth, the, the animals. And God looks down, and he says, it's good, not good for man to be alone. It's not good. You don't need to live life alone. A life of solitude, a life of reclusion from everything else in society, and, and by just living behind the four walls texting everybody rather than going out and actually maybe call your neighbor and say, hey, can I come over and eat with you? Or how about this? You come over and eat with me. It means everything. And, and if you look at the conclusion and, and how, that, how that people are isolated and how much misery is in America today, we've got more ability to speak to more people than we've ever had in history. But there's more misery, more isolationism than ever before. In eastern Kentucky, it's one of the highest rates where prescription drugs are prescribed to people to deal with depression and different diseases and nothing wrong with that I'm not putting down people with depression it's a real thing in society but sometimes us isolating ourselves and moving away from people not being in relationship with people will cause our depression to exceed to go up amen and what if we could just get out and, and move about and be with people and be around people and I'm not talking about big crowds some people don't like crowds my dad he gets nervous in a crowd you get him with a lot of people, and he'll be sitting on the fringes somewhere, getting over to the side. He don't like a big crowd. That's okay. But there's nothing wrong with being in relationship. And, and maybe it's doing things to make yourself. We all want to be healthier. Maybe it's finding a neighbor, a, a friend down the street that you can go walk with every day. Amen? You can have a relationship with that person and, and converse with that person. And in doing so, it's going to relieve you from the stress of life. We need relationships. Multitasking is harmful to us today. I want to read a, a scripture from uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 36. And we know that we're taking this whole sermon series from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, 28 through 36. And we've read that each week so far. But today I want us to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 through 34. says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. 
Verse 25, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, neither gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? I love that verse. Is anybody getting taller because you want to? I'm like a half inch short of being six foot. I really want to be six foot. I, I wear cowboy boots so I can get that heel on it so I can be a little bit taller. Now I'm six foot today. But I'm about a half inch short, Ernie. And all my life I've wanted to say, I'm six foot tall. Well, really, I'm 5'11 and, and a half. And if I, I really stretch out and, and, and just put everything I can into it, I can get to 5'11 and three quarters. But I can't make six foot. And the Bible says, can a man add any cubit to his stature? Can you add any? Can you be any taller? No. Why do we worry about things like that? Why am I worried about being six foot? Because that's above average. I want to be above average, right? I want to be a little more. You can't worry about things like that because you can't change it. The only thing you should worry about is the things you can change. Need more amens than that. The only things you need to worry about are the things you can change. If you cannot change it, don't worry about it. it whether it's politics, whether it's the way governor, the government operates, ensure you have a vote. Go and exercise your vote once every year or twice every year in a, when we got a primary and go vote. But that's the only time of the year that you really need to worry about what you're going to do with that government official. Once they're elected, they're elected. You can do nothing about it. They're elected. Some people just wallow in that their whole life. And it's so depressing. Amen? It, the government is so depressing to me. If I really get in and start looking, and if I just waste all my time on that, I'll come out every day feeling depressed at the end of the day. I don't want to be depressed. Do you? The Bible says misery loves company. <laughs> get two miserable people together, and they'll, they'll just bog each other down and be like, man, I can't. Because you know what it is. It's like everybody's got to outdo somebody else. So they'll tell you a really sad story, and you've got you to trump that, so you've got to put on a bigger sad story. Here, God is telling us, you can't add anything to yourself. Don't worry about it. Look at your neighbor and say, don't worry so much. You're making me worry about you're worrying so much. I worry about you worrying. I worry about my mom worrying. <laughs> she worries so much that I worry about her about worrying. That's real. I'm, I'm telling the truth. It, it concerns me. It's crazy. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies filled off where we were there. No, we didn't. I stopped there. So why do you worry about clothing? I'm worried about clothing. I hope, I, I'm glad everybody come in with clothing on today. I'm I just happy about that. You know what I'm saying? I just It's a good day. Everybody's clothed. It's all good. Consider the lilies filled, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, 
until he is much more will he not much more clothe you O you of little faith therefore do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for after these things the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things verse 33 one of the this is one you need to highlight you need to put a big X a star draw circles around this scripture verse 33 but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things sufficient for the day is its own trouble let's pray father we thank you for this day god give us godly wisdom today lord just just we we just ask on this family day lord as we just invite the children in to be in 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 church with us lord that this is a combined service where that we all can join together lord i thank you for the kids i thank you for the parents lord i thank you for grandparents thank you for aunts and uncles and god just help us today to have wisdom to know what your word says and god let us seek first the kingdom of god and let us be filled just as you say and promise in your word in jesus name i pray everybody says amen this message that i just read to you this comes from jesus's uh, sermon on the mount so this is a time where jesus is beginning his ministry and he goes into in the Cana of Galilee and he has this uh, uh, event where that he goes to this wedding and he says it's not my time yet but his mo mother pressures him and, and she says come on Jesus just go ahead They've, they're running out of wine and, and, and you can perform a miracle here today Mary believed in Jesus because she heard from an angel that told her this is the Messiah this is the one that was promised to come to relieve humanity of its troubles and as she believed and trusted God, sometimes she asked for things from Jesus. This is the first account that we've got in Scripture where that Mary asked, actually asked something from her son. But I believe that she more than likely had asked him before. Amen? Because she's not going to do this publicly, if something that she wasn't proven privately. So I think that Mary got wisdom from Jesus. That she knew that she witnessed some things that Jesus did even as a young boy. He was the son of God. He could perform miracles. And I'm sure that Mary knew that. But she told him, they're out of wine and what can you do? And Jesus told the people, well just go get water and fill up the vats again. And then the next thing you know, you know the story that it turns to wine. That he turned the water into wine. And when that happened, everybody was astounded. They were amazed at what great wine this was compared to what they had already had. It's just amazing to them. And in their amazement, they begin to follow Jesus. Because we are just like those humans. We follow after signs. Amen? We trust in God more when we see things happen in our life. Can somebody say Amen. When you see God moving in your life and transforming things and areas in your life, the more you trust Him, the more you want to walk with Him, the more you want to hear from Him. So as these people were out and they began to follow Jesus and they began to go into the mountains and, and go from town to town and more and more people got on the bandwagon, hey, the Messiah has come. We see Him. We hear Him. We know the words He's saying. These are the words of life. 
And as they follow Jesus and listen to him, he, at this point he sets them down in grass. He gets them up on the, on the side of a mountain and the Sermon on the Mount, and he sets them down on grass and he begins to speak to them. Blessed are they. Then he starts out in chapter 5. If you've never really studied the Sermon on the Mount, I implore you to do so. Dig into the Sermon on the Mount. This is a sermon that's written in its entirety that Jesus spoke. My sermons sometimes like a little. <laughs> well, actually, they like a lot. Amen. I, I, I want to do the best I can. I try and strive to do the best I can as a preacher. But I know in comparison to Jesus' sermon, I cannot offer you anything. But through God's Spirit, He can still move us. Amen? Our emotions need to be on the table whenever we come into God's presence, whenever we're set and listen to praise and worship music, and we hear and feel and sense the presence of God. Let your emotions be involved in that. God created you as an emotional being. Amen? Sometimes if you feel like crying, you need to just cry. Sometimes if your heart's aching, you need to walk over to somebody and say, Would you just please pray for me today? Amen. If you come in troubled and perplexed and the issues of life have you weighed down, this is a place of Bethesda that you can walk into and say, I need prayer. And nobody's going to mock you. Nobody's going to ridicule you. Nobody's going to make fun of you. It ought to be a place that we can sense and feel God. These people followed Jesus. He fed the 5,000, 3,000. We know the other stories in Scripture. But as we see this happening, he was giving the instructions to the people who took the moment to listen. If you will learn to listen to God, he will speak. I promise. That's a promise. If these people would have decided that same day, I'm tired of listening to his stuff, I'm going to go on home, they would have missed out on the Sermon on the Mount. If they would have decided, well, I got this going on and I need to go over there and worry about this or worry about that, I'll take care of that, then they wouldn't have heard this Sermon on the Mount. Today, it's the same in our life. If we don't slow down and listen to the voice of God, we're going to miss out on a lot of things in this life. If we don't heed the calling of God, we will miss out. It's amazing that 15-year-olds to 18-year-olds spend an hour and 51 minutes a day texting. On average in America, there are more televisions per household than there are children per household. I'm not beating on TV. We got a TV. We got, how many TVs we got? Two? We ain't got any kids, so we're adding to this number, man, Leslie. We got two TVs out, so we don't have any kids, so sorry. It messed up your average. So this is it's just amazing. A child will spend 18,000 hours in front of a television by the time they graduate high school. 18,000 hours in front of a television by the time they graduate high school. 5,000 more hours than they'll spend in school. We wonder what the issue is. We wonder what the problem is. I remember my childhood was different than the kids today. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have a computer. We didn't have anything. You know what we had? Nature. We would go out to Mama Collier's, and you know what she'd do? She'd take us on nature walks. I still remember that like as yesterday, going on nature walks. She'd teach us what trees were, the different types of trees, what different types of leaves on trees were. She taught us about birds. 
Yesterday, I was driving down the road, and a little indigo bunny flew in front of my windshield, coming back from out Laurel, and I seen it, and I instantly, in my mind, I said, that's the indigo bunny. You know why I knew that? Because my grandma Shirley taught me that. She took me on walks and nature walks. If you want your kids to grow up different than the norm in society that you're witnessing today, go on a few nature walks. If you don't know nothing about nature, find you a book. <laughs> Amen? Look, Get you an old-fashioned book out and about trees and go out and search for them and just walk around in the brush looking for trees and teach your kids about these things. It'll be beneficial for them throughout life. Better than sitting in front of the TV watching Barney 75 times over and over and over. I love Barney. Barney's a cool cat. I mean, anybody can pull off a purple suit like that. They're just awesome. Amen. I, I love the uh, VeggieTales. VeggieTales are awesome. I, the hairbrush song just sticks in my mind. I've got that, oh, where is my hairbrush? Oh, where is my hair? Oh, Larry has no hair. <laughs> I've watched that so many times that I ain't even got kids and I still watch VeggieTales. Glory to God, it has to be good, right? Yeah. Yeah. It must have spoke to me because I don't have no hair. I was out at one of my friends yesterday and sitting there and, and we pulled in and, and next thing you know, his wife comes down and got his daughter with him and with her and, and she comes up to Leslie and she said, where's your little girl? In her mind, every mommy has a little girl. So she looks like, where's your little girl? We don't have a little girl, sorry. So she was like disappointed there for a minute. Then we started playing with her and different stuff, and, and she grew warm to us over time. But it's just amazing how kids think like that. They only know the experience they have. They only have the knowledge of the experience they've got. Do your best as parents. We need a break, absolutely. We need a break from the norm in our society. If media is the problem and I believe it is I, I'm not saying completely discard it I'm not saying completely do away with it but if you can't go an hour without your cell phone or your computer or your TV then you're probably addicted well, that's awful quiet I thought there'd be a better than that okay so it's break time it's middle of our sermon so here it is break time I want you to go over and, and get with a neighbor you don't know very well, somebody you don't know real well, and maybe go over and sit with them for a minute or two or, or three here. We're going to spend some time talking about multitasking, and I want you to, I want you to talk about uh, some, some things about multitasking and how uh, you're addicted to media. So go find somebody. Everybody go. Come on. It's intermission, halftime show. Go find somebody. Okay, break time's over. I got to talk in baby talk, me and my friend Brantley, didn't we? We done a good job, didn't we, bub? We learned about fork trucks. Yeah, it was awesome. We don't worry about cell phones, do we? No yell means a no, just, just so you know. There, there's a no right there. One out of five toddlers, uh, he'll be okay. He's fine. Yeah, he's cool. He's my buddy. He's all right. One out of five toddlers under the age of three have a television in their bedroom. Research shows that the average American ingests 34 gigabytes of information in a day from various forms of media. This translates 
to 105,000 words per day from media. 105,000 words per day. On average, a woman speaks, it's in the somewhere like uh, 13,000, I think, a day. An average woman speaks a day. Average man speaks 7,000 a day. Amen. That's why when we get home and the guy's already spent all his words, he's already talked at the job, he's got his 7,000 out. And he comes home and you're sitting there and the woman talking, ah, this happened, this happened, this happened, and the guy looks at you and just looks over and don't say anything. That's why. He's out of words. He don't have any more. He's, he's over the limit. So that's just why that works, women, just so you know. And guys, that's why when you get home, she talks another 7,000 words because nobody's been there all day and, and, and she didn't have, and she's spent them all on you. So she spent about 13,000 words on you. So if we ingest 105,000 words a day from media, just think about that. That's crazy. Astounding. How we're inundated with this media thing and trying to multitask. There's multiple studies I read this week that just says it will not work. It can't work. It's amazing on multitasking. I found this really cool story. And I, I'd read it years ago in a book that I read, Developing the Leader Within You by John Maxwell. If you care anything about leadership or or anything like that, you need to read this book, Developing the Leader Within You. John Maxwell, the author. William Henson tells us why the animal trainers carry a stool when they go in the cage of lions. They have their whips, of course. They have a pistol on their side. But invariably, they also carry a stool. Has anybody ever noticed this, that a, that a lion trainer will go in and they'll be carrying a stool? I used to have a stool here. So a line trainer will carry a stool with them. Sure, they've got a pistol in their pocket. Sure, they've got a whip in the other hand, but they always carry this stool. Maybe we don't know why. Henson says it's the most important tool of the trainer. It's, it's better than the pistol. He holds the stool back by the back and thrusts the legs towards the face of the wild animal. Those who know and maintain the animals that the animals try to focus on all four legs at once. So as you have a stool pointing towards you, you're looking at this, there's four legs on this stool, right? A lion gets so confused by there being four legs, and as they begin to focus on all four, a kind of paralysis overwhelms the animal, and it becomes tame, weak, and disabled because its intention is fragmented. All the studies I've read this past week says that when you try to multitask, you actually get less done. Because you're trying to focus on two or three or four things at one time, and you're not doing any of those efficiently. So why do we want to be better? What am I trying to tell you today about if it feels like your life is so busy, if it feels like you're overwhelmed and inundated with too much, maybe it is media. But maybe it is multitasking too. Maybe maybe you're sitting on the couch and you've got your computer or laptop. I'm guilty of this sometimes. I have my laptop there working on work stuff, but I got my cell phone and it's laying beside of me on the other side, and I'm I'm keeping track of Facebook on it, and and, and if somebody texts or somebody emails on it, uh, same time I'm working on my laptop. And although that's going on at the same time, then I'll have something playing on the TV, and I'm trying to watch a TV show all at the same time. It's about impossible. And actually, it's inefficient. 
I want to be better, don't you? If you strive to be better and want to be better, today would be a good day to ask God to change and make us different from our culture. Because actually, if we act like what I just explained, the way I act sometimes, I'm just like everybody else. And I want to be more godlike, don't you? I want to be able to accomplish more. So as I'm saying this to you today, I'm imploring you today to be better. Avoid the age of distraction. We live in the only country that named one of its mountains Rushmore. <laughs> the only country on the world that has a mountain named Rushmore. Why? Because we rush more. Slow down. Let's stand. Bless if you'll come. The same way I spoke about the people earlier that followed Jesus up on the mountain to listen. I thank you that you're here today, that you've taken time to come and listen. I pray that Jesus has spoken to you in some way, shape, or form. And I know that life is busy, and I know trying to raise kids and do all the different things and all that society piles on our shoulders, that we can become overwhelmed. I'd just like to ask everybody, just please bow your head, close your eyes. Is there anybody here that just say, Pastor Ben, would you care to pray for me? I feel overwhelmed. I feel inefficient. And I would like to accomplish more in life. And I need Jesus' help. Is there anybody here? Raise your hand and say, that's me. That's me. I want to become better. Amen. Amen. Thank you for those hands. I will pray for you. Right now, I would like to, for us all to pray together collectively that as Bethesda people, we would become more efficient, that we would become more Christ-like, that we could do better things and greater things for the kingdom. Everybody just say this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for being so busy. Forgive me for not listening. I hear your voice today. And I'm asking you to help me to be more efficient, to do the work of the kingdom. Let me occupy this planet until you come, just like your word says. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I believe God answers prayers. I believe that he's going to make us better. That he's going to give us wisdom and insight. I thank you for coming today. I appreciate your time for being here to listen to what God has spoken to us today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go and God be with you. Love God. Love people this week. Invite somebody to come with you next week if you can.